Welcome to the Ultimate Dentist Podcast. Join us to hear success stories of various individuals and learn clinical and life hacks to help you become the ultimate dentist. Hi everyone, I hope you are all doing great. Uh, in this series of podcasts, I am going to discuss about implant restorations. So there are specifically six episodes where I will be dis- diving deep on implant restorations and what you can do and what you cannot and how to really start restoring implants because implants are becoming now more routine procedure and as a general dental practitioner who are doing full mouth reconstruction, uh, this is one of the skill you should learn in my opinion because you then can be in much more control because many time implantologists or implant surgeon who are placing implant they may not be doing full mouth reconstruction and they may not have an idea as to how to treat implant uh, they will be they might be really good implant surgeon but when it comes to doing full mouth reconstruction they might not understand the whole concept so in that case you need to sort of you need to be able to dive in and help those surgeons in planning uh, and then you can take over and execute that uh, treatment plan and give patient the fixed teeth which they deserve which are functional and moreover uh, they last long time so in these six episodes uh, in episode one i'm going to discuss about treatment planning episode two i'm going to discuss about implant impression episode three i'm going to discuss about communication with the laboratory and what you need to really tell the lab what to make what not to do and what to look out for episode number four i am going to discuss about how to fit this implant restoration episode number six i'm going to Uh, Five, I'm going to discuss about maintenance. And six, we are going to discuss about troubleshooting because once you start restoring implant, you will come across problems and how to to resolve those problems. So these six episodes are jam-packed of information. So watch out for those episodes. And these episodes are directly taken uh, from my book so I have taken few things from my book and I'm discussing those things there are obviously much more I go much more in detail in in my book on uh, introduction to implant restoration however uh, it's it's very difficult over podcast to discuss all this because it's you need really a picture you need a photograph and as I say the uh, you know picture paints thousand word in my book I have 320 photos so um, you know you will be able to see much better whereas in the podcast is, is I have a limitation so I will be doing a webinar which will be free for all of my listeners uh, so I can really show you uh, what the process is and really interact with you so if you uh, see the link in the description if you look at the description of this podcast and if you see the link uh, you will be able to register for future webinar which i will be doing for implant restoration when you register for that instantly you will be able to download my comprehensive assessment uh, ebook as well so you will be able to start doing comprehensive assessment for those implant cases plus it has a occlusal assessment in there as well so there are lots of things in there so watch out for that link on the description go below the description and check out the link and register yourself for future emails having said that let's discuss about treatment planning so first of all before we discuss about treatment planning we need to really understand 
what are the differences between implant and natural teeth. So obviously one of the main difference is that the implants do not have periodontal ligament. Natural teeth have periodontal ligament. And that's the biggest difference. And a lot of things, a lot of implications are related to the fact that implants, they don't have, they're fused to bone rather than like teeth which have periodontal ligament, which has a rich blood supply, sensory uh, sensation as well. So you can understand and can see what's going on rather, rather than implants where there is not a proprioception. You have osseoperception in regards to implant. You have a perception coming from bone, which is not as rich as proprioception, which is from ligament, which is from nerve endings. You have, with regards to implant, you have a long junctional epithelium uh, attached to the implant, whereas you have really hemodesmosomes and basal lamina um, when it comes to natural teeth. You have 12 types of connective tissue fibers attached, inserted into the natural tooth, whereas you only have two groups uh, of uh, fibers attached with the, with the implant. Biomechanical designs and vascularity is also different. You have less of the vascularity uh, around the implant than what you get around the teeth. And as I said, the proprioception is another uh, main thing. You have a mobility which is much different than teeth. Uh, teeth move. So if you look at the central incisor, they can move up to 100 micron, 110 micron, whereas when you look at the implant, they they don't have that much mobility. Although implant move a little bit, but they are in very small number of microns because bone flex. So implant can also move, but it's it's still much less than the teeth. Usually, with regards to pain, you have tooth which becomes painful and you can feel the pain. Whereas many times you will see that with implants, patients don't feel pain. The bone gradually erodes and, you know, patient will generally come out and say, my implants lose and it comes out from the mouth. Um, or you see pus and everything and then patient's still not in pain. So most of the time when I see patients are in pain, of course, if the infection is acute, then they can get pain. There are different comp complications you have when you have occlusal overload with regards to tooth versus implant. With the tooth, you see wear facets, you have abfraction, fremitus, attrition, mobility, and you overload the tooth. Whereas if you overload the implant restoration, then you have porcelain fracture, implant fracture, screw fracture, abutment fracture, uh, possible screw loosening, or you can get in bone loss or pocketing. Having said that, the biological implication of occlusal overload is quite debatable. So there are some studies says there is, there is a biological reason. Uh, some studies doesn't support that. But we know that the mechanical um, issues is definite when you have occlusal overload with implant restoration. Um, you have, when you, when you have teeth, they are better as at um, checking perception or interferences. So if you have interferences around when you, when patient closes, patients are much more aware of that than osteoperception. Of course, not every patient is aware of the interferences or you know, non-working side context, but if you compare, you will have less perception with the implant than, than, than the teeth. Implants are also not very good at taking 
um, non-vertical forces again because of the mechanical properties and everything so with regards to implant you want more sort of a longitudinal force with regards to movement if you see the lateral movement as i said the natural teeth can move up to 56 56 to 108 micron whereas the implants can only move 10 to 40 micron you have apical movement when patient clenches uh, the natural teeth can sink from 25 to 100 microns, some of them, whereas the implant will only sink in maybe 3 to 5 micron, and that's mainly because of the flexion of the bone. They don't sink in, but it's just the bone flexes and you see a little bit of uh, movement. So, And that's, that's really important when you are checking occlusion, and that we will discuss at the time when we are discussing implant fitting appointment. You're looking at the tactile sensitivity is pretty high when you are when your patients have a natural tooth, whereas with implant it's much low. And as I said, you know, when you are overloading the tooth, then you will see PDL widening, frametus mobility, wear facets, or pain. Whereas with the implants, it's usually mechanical failures. You will see a lot of screw loosening or implant um, abutment fracture or porcelain fracture or some sort of a mechanical issue and as i said you can get bone loss but it's debatable upon we don't know so considering all these things there are 12 factors which you need to understand when you are doing treatment planning so let's look at those 12 factors number one is patient expectation and this is something I always discuss in detail when we are also, when I'm teaching anyone full matric construction. You do not want to take a case, a big case, where you don't get along with the patient or patient doesn't get along with you or their patient's nice, but you just cannot match their expectation. And this is the time to bail out. If you're not going to do any treatment, this is the time to tell patient that I can't help you. And that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is you, you tag along because you want to do the treatment and you want to learn and you want to you know practice your newly learned skill. You say yes to everyone and come the end of the treatment, patient's not satisfied. Now you're kind of in a stuck position. You have to do anything and anything, everything in order to make that patient happy. Now, with regards to implant is not that straightforward if the implants are not in right place um, there's not much we can do apart from sometimes taking the implant out which is much more invasive and if it's done nicely and then putting a new implant with a bone grafting is much more traumatic rather than let's say you've done an edge bonding and patient doesn't like it you can change it quite easily with implant it's much more um, worse complication can happen so you need to have patient on your side and need to make sure patient understands what's going on you also need to have your implant surgeon on the side because when you if you're not placing implant then you need to treat implant you need to then discuss with your implant surgeon to make sure it's possible and you need to communicate with the surgeon as to what are the patient's expectations what are your expectations, whether you want screw retain or cement retain crown? Again, we'll discuss that a little bit later uh, in, the, in the following episodes. But you need to discuss with implant surgeon what exactly you would want. And you need to, if you're not placing implant, then you need to really work closely with your implant surgeon to give the patient the best outcome. Because ultimately, if you haven't 
um, if patient's not happy because the crown's not in the right position, doesn't look nice, they're going to come to you. They can't see implants. So they're not going to go to implant surgeon and say, you put the implant in the wrong position. They will always come to you um, and and say, look, my teeth doesn't look nice. You know, can you move it? And you say, well, the implant's not placed in the right position. But, uh, you know, ultimately it'll be your responsibility if you have taken this case on uh, to provide a, an aesthetic restoration. Of course, uh, it's a joint responsibility, but when it comes to patient's mind, you know, they will think that it's your responsibility. So that's number one factor, patient expectation and communication with the implant surgeon. The second factor is treatment treatment alternatives. So you need to really consider uh, alternative treatments. Implant is not always the right option for that one particular patient. Um, you know, I always give option uh, advice that if patients are central incisors missing, one incisor, uh, ideally, maybe Maryland Bridge um, or some sort of adhesive resin bonded bridge is a better suited option than doing an implant for central incisor, lower central incisor, because generally you don't have tooth. Now, of course, if the patient's really big and you know you've got nice space between two teeth, then yeah, go ahead and do implant. I have done implant before for central incisor uh, for a young um, you know patients where they don't really want to. Uh, show the metal showing nowadays you can do zirconia resin bonded bridges but you know so you need to consider the option sometimes denture is a better option like let's say if the if the patient's got compromised dentition now you i mean i if i'm placing an implant i want to make sure that the rest of the teeth can support implant as well i don't want to have really nice implant done and then patient doesn't have any other teeth and the teeth will start or teeth in a good condition and the teeth start falling out. So I always tell patient that, look, unless you're considering full mouth, sort of full arch or total extraction, for now, have a denture and see how you get on because the other teeth may not be in a great position, situation, but they might be good enough to tag along and to, to last. So that might be one of the reasons. Um, with regards to bridge, Sometime, you know, I, I just did a, I did last year, was it, or a few months ago, uh, three to three upper canine to canine bridge for one of the patient because his medical condition didn't allow him to have implant and it was a bit risky. And uh, we know that canine to canine bridge works fine. They, they do work. So, uh, you know, However, if I could have placed implant, I would have placed implant in lateral positions and give patient a nice implant supported bridge. But sometimes you have to have go for a bridge. However, 90% of the time, implant would be the best option for an edentulous space. But you need to make sure that you don't get biased. You need to make sure, and this is something I tell my patient that, you know, I don't want to uh, get biased because I do implant. I don't want to just make sure that you just, just, you know, you if here for implant, we don't consider any other option. We need to consider all the options. Um, number three, you need to assess patient's smile line. It's really, really important. So, especially when the anterior teeth, but also posterior teeth. So always ask patient to grin, make sure they, they move their lip up and see, like you can see how far the lip goes up and um, have some jokes ready to make them smile. But generally, patients will be conservative when they in smiling when, when you're taking photographs. So you need to ask them to really fake it. And you want to see how far the lip they can lift up. 
if they can see a patient has a very high lip line, then it's a, it's a high risk case, obviously. You need to assess patients. Uh, factor number four is patients' oral hygiene and general periodontal health. Now, I must admit that, you know, I have in the beginning, what I used to do is send patient for hygienist, patient had a cleaning done, and um, I'll place an implant. However, over the time, what I've realized is people, sometimes patients who are, who doesn't have good oral hygiene, there is a reason behind it. So until unless you break that habit, you will pay, give patient a nice implant and they won't be able to clean that either. So you need to make sure that your patient is able to um, clean their implant. And the best way is to get them on hygiene regime and get them into habit of seeing hygienists regularly. Number five is adjacent teeth. This is something we don't really discuss uh, much or we don't assess much. Not even your technician will give you a good idea. I mean, I used to have a technician uh, which I used initially and he used to really uh, give me all the indication because many times you will see like if you're doing a central incisor restoration, you may get away, you may find better result if you are maybe doing a little bit um composite bonding on either side of the teeth to close the space to get the space distribution really well um, and this is something you may not be able to assess straight away unless if you have models in hand and you're doing the work so because i do wax up i or i still i used to do wax up by myself until nine months a year ago um, and many times while I'm doing the wax up, I realize, okay, I want to do this. I want to add this uh, on this tooth and it will look better. But if uh, most of you won't be doing wax up by yourself, so you are relying on your technician to tell you. But if there is any obvious thing where which you can improve by adjusting either side of the teeth, either by adding or sometime, you know, if, if you have, let's say, lower right six has come out and lower right seven has got this overhang amalgam or um, it's got a fractured amalgam in the mesial aspect, you know, it's better to change the restoration. If the contact points are not nice, then it's better to just make them nice and flat so that, you know, technician can close the space properly. So that's something you need to assess. Number six is advising patient on secondary or complementary treatment, such as teeth whitening, uh, cosmetic treatment, orthodontic treatment, or full mouth reconstruction. Teeth whitening is the one of the most commonest thing. You need to make sure you discuss this with patient. You don't want to have patient going through all this and then say, oh, I wish I had whiter teeth. So teeth whitening is a must in my opinion. You need to then discuss if you're doing implant um, that, so discussion of teeth whitening is a must. I mean, if patient doesn't want teeth whitening, then that's fine. But you need to discuss it. You record it in your, in your records because let's say you've done implant restoration and patient's like, oh, I want to do teeth whitening. Now, changing the implant restoration is much more expensive than just changing a filling. Um, you need to discuss about the cosmetic treatment. If patient wants edge bonding, veneers, something like that. Before you do that, you need to discuss ortho, which is much less discussed, in my opinion. I would say probably 75% of the patient who I see would benefit from some sort of ortho. Not all of them would go ahead with it, but you at least need to have a discussion. You need to discuss about full mouth reconstruction because, you know, if 
let's say you're raising OVD, let's say you've done implant on lower right six, now you're raising OVD, the implant restoration will have to be changed. So you need to make patient aware. If patient doesn't want the treatment, then it's up to you and patient to decide. But you definitely need to let the patient know if patient needs full mouth reconstruction that look, if you do if you don't have this done now, and if you decide to have this done later, your implant crown will have to be changed and that will be obviously additional fees so you need to let the patient know number seven is restorative phase so make sure that you have enough mesodistal and you know occlusal interocclusal restorative restorative space for the implant number eight is hard and soft tissue you may not be able to assess that uh, and this is where your implant surgeon will be able to help you with the ct scan and you know clinical assessment whether the, the defect is soft tissue defect, heart tissue defect. How can we manage it? Generally, the defect is going to be composite, which means hard and soft tissue defect. Generally, you don't have just one or the other. Many times you can place the implant in the bone without doing bone grafting um, and just do soft tissue grafting. But if, if there is a defect, generally it's both ways. So you have a little bit soft tissue, a little bit hard tissue defect. Number nine is number of implants. And what that means is that let's say you have upper right four and five missing and patient wants implant. Now, sometime you can put two implants in upper right four and five, five region. However, sometimes you don't have space to put two implants without compromising inter-implant distance. You want, remember, you want 1.5 millimeter distance between tooth and the implant. You want three millimeter distance between two implants. So make sure that you have enough space for implant, two implants to be placed. And if if you think you don't have enough space, then it could be one implant and a cantilever bridge. Now, this is something you may not be able to decide. Your implant surgeon might uh, do a digital planning and then decide. So when you are discussing this with patient, you need to really give patient an idea generally as a standpoint i will give patient a estimate with two implants but just say that if it's possible we'll we we might do cantilever and many times patient would come and say oh can you not just place one implant and do two teeth because obviously it's cheaper but um i always tell patient that look uh yes you'll probably save thousand fifteen hundred whatever pounds it's just not worth it. If you can place two implants, it's best to place two implants for support. Um, obviously, if you're doing full arch dentistry, then that's completely different. You can, you can, you can get away with four to six implants in one arch and restore the full arch. However, um, if you're doing full arch, generally it's eight implant on the top and six implant on the lower arch, but Again, you can get away with four implant on either arch, but that's different. So as I said, uh, your surgeon might be able to make that decision, but um, I would my uh, plan is generally I do not do cantilever unless there is not enough space for me to place two implant. Number 10 is how you're going to provisionalize it. Now, today I saw a patient who had a upper left one um, crown fractured it's a post and core crown periapical lesion needs to come out now i need to already start thinking okay how am i going to provisionalize it am i going to do leave it as it is obviously it's not socially acceptable 
Um, are you going to give patient a denture? The problem with the denture is if you if he needs a bone grafting in future, I generally don't want the patient to wear denture because denture will rub against that. Even if you just keep it off the ridge, it will still give pressure from the palatal area. So you don't want denture for those cases. Then the option is Essex retainer with a tooth like you do Invisalign and, you know, if patient's missing tooth, then you, you do the tooth. So so that's one of the options. Um, or you can do resin-bonded bridges. The the pr problem with SX retainer is that patient will have to take the retainer out in order to eat. And again, that's not socially acceptable. So um, patient can't eat with the SX retainer in. The other option is resin-bonded bridges where patient doesn't have to take things out. But then you're not going to stick resin bonded bridge with panavia. You're going to use um, GIC to uh, stick resin bonded bridges. And then that leads to it may come out prematurely, like before you want it might come out. So that can lead to some emergency appointments. Patient might not be happy. Um, plus, when you do resin bonded bridges, you don't want to really grind either side of the teeth to create space. So you're going to leave that in high. And that will change patient's occlusion a little bit. And <clears throat> it may be that, um, you know, it will settle after you take it out, but it may not settle. So that's something you need to be aware of. The other option is, let's say, if you are replacing upper left one and upper left two and upper right one, they both are crowned, which needs changing. So in that case, you can take those old crowns out and give patient a fix-fix bridge temporary from upper left two to upper right one to replace upper left one. And that's temporary. So every time patient comes in, you take it out, you, you cement it with tampon or temporary cement material and you take it out in and out uh, every time patient comes in, uh, do your stuff and then put it back in again. And that's how patient can get fixed uh, bridge. But this only works in very minor cases there are not that many patients who have crowns, which needs changing. Um, so that's something you need to be aware of. So these are the five options. Nothing, denture, SX retain, resin bonded bridges, or using either side of the teeth for bridge. Number 11 is occlusion. You need to really be able to visualize what the final occlusal scheme is going to look like. Whether you're going to use canine guidance, group function, protrusive guidance, what what uh, what are you going to use? Which teeth are you going to use? Are you going to use implant for uh, for guidance? Are you going to involve implant in any guidance? Ideally, if it's possible to avoid implants, then it's best. Of course, if you remember, uh, if you we are going to in this sixth episode, we are going to discuss about single implant restoration or at the max uh, maybe three unit bridge. So many cases you you will be able to avoid guidance but there are cases which you can't avoid guidance so you need to be really you need to understand and number 12 is diagnostic vac sub so once you know what kind of guidance you want you can ask technician to do diagnostic vac sub based on that and that will then um, lead to surgical guide and then that will help surgeon in placing implant so these are the 12 factors patient expectation Treatment alternatives, you need to discuss denture, bridge, or no treatment. Smile line, oral hygiene, adjacent teeth, if there is anything you need to do. 
a complementary treatment, whitening, cosmetic treatment, ortho, full mouth reconstruction. You need to assess restorative space. You need to assess hard and soft tissue. You need to assess how many implants patient will need. You need to assess how to provisionalize or whether to provisionalize the edentular space at all. And you need to assess occlusion and do diagnostic wax up. So I hope this episode has been helpful and you understand the implant planning process. As I said, I've discussed much more in detail um, and I will be discussing this more in detail with the photographs and everything when I do the um, webinar. So register yourself for the webinar and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you.